Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. So good to have you guys here. Today's kind of a, uh, it's going to be a part two of a talk that we started a few weeks ago uh, on the apostolic church. That's what we were talking about. But today's also a big day uh, for us as a church if you're new here uh, this is kind of the culmination of what we've called our ne- uh, Next is Near campaign. I guess it's not the culmination, but it's a big day, a big start in a lot of ways uh, for our Next is Near campaign, getting ready to build uh, our, our new building. And so we'll talk some more about that towards the end of our, uh, of our service today. But uh, I want to continue that talk about the Apostolic Church. How many of you guys were here a couple of weeks ago when we started that conversation about the Apostolic Church? Okay, so quite a few, still quite a few that weren't, weren't here. Uh, this whole conversation began uh, when I was reading a scripture, actually a couple years ago now, and, and we had been studying on some different things, just really hungry for the, building the church that, that God sees, not the church that I see. I think that was something really important to us when we planted a new life church. Uh, I've been in and around church uh, basically my whole life, and uh, I've seen a lot of really good churches, uh, pl- seen church plants uh, go really well. But I think just for us, I just wanted to make sure that we had... Uh, God's plan at the center, not my plan, but God's plan, and so it keeps you kind of pointed in in the right direction. How many of you guys believe it's probably a good idea to build the church that He wants, not the church that we? Want? I kind of stumbled on a couple of years ago, and it really caused me to uh, consider the focus of our church, what it was, what it should be. Uh, and some of you have been here and heard us talk about this in First Corinthians twelve twenty eight. In First Corinthians twelve twenty eight, uh, that's the blueprint. In fact, it's the only blueprint you'll find in Scripture where God lays out in detail, here's exactly how I want uh, the church to be built. Here's what I want the church to look like. Here's the people I want leading it. Here's the things that I want to see happening in that church. And so uh, we stumbled across this in 1 Corinthians 12, 20. Third teachers, after that, miracles, gifts of healing, helping administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And so uh, it's been about a year and a half ago Can we kind of unpack this for the first time. And we kind of set the whole apostle, prophet, teacher thing off to the side, uh, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Those are gifts that are given to certain uh, people to equip the body uh, to do the work of the ministry. So we kind of set the staff, if you will, off to the side, and said, so let's put the people to the side for just a second and ask the question and acknowledge what he's saying here in that the way he wants us to interact with him and the Holy Spirit to interact with us is not first through learning about him or changing our behavior, it's through miracles and healing. That's, 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 that's the Bible. It says first, uh, after the staff, if you will, then miracles, then gifts of healing. And, I, and when I, I remember reading this for the first time and thinking, well, we're not doing that at all. That's not the first thing we're going after as a church. I, I believed in it. I believed it could happen. I've even seen some happen uh, personally, but it was not the central focus of our church. So we began to kind of shift our focus to that uh, about a year and a half ago, a little over a year and a half ago now. And it's interesting, when it's crazy how the Bible works. When you put your focus on it and actually do it, it seems to work. Anybody else ever had that happen to them? Craziest thing. And uh, so we've actually started having incredible miracles, incredible healings happen on a fairly regular basis uh, in our church. In fact, just out of curiosity, if you're in here today and since you've been coming to this church, you've experienced a miracle or a healing, just raise your hand and wave it around. Now that's incredible. Look around you. Now, this, this, go ahead and do it again. Raise your hands. I want y'all to look around. This is not scriptures we're reading about other people getting miracles and healings. That's happening right here and now. 
And I just think that is so incredible that when we, as we began to lean into that, God began to do things <clears throat> at, a, at a rapid pace for us. And so uh, we're seeing those things happen. In fact, I just got a, I had a conversation this morning uh, with a guy who um, had a miracle happen in his own life. The Lord healed his, uh, God healed him with a coworker this week, laid hands on him, never seen it happen before. Uh, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to tell you who it is, so I can tell you the rest of the story. But he said, uh, he goes, yeah. I laid hands on him in, the, in a restaurant. We were even having a beer, and he got healed. And so God even heals over a beer. So, um, Man, I can get in a lot of trouble for saying stuff like that. <laughs> I, I told the, fir- the first service this story, but if you were here last week, uh, I love how it says miracles and healings because sometimes God does a miracle or a healing, and it even it falls into that. About, you know, Remember when Jesus said, greater works than I have done, you shall do also? Every now and then something happens, and you're like, that must fall in the greater works category because it's something I've never heard of. Last week, if you were here, <clears throat> I was praying, and we were, I was kind of leaning in. I felt God wanted to do something in the area of healing, and so I was listening to, to get a symptom. Maybe God wanted to highlight shoulder pain, knee pain, and, or whatever it was, and I was getting absolutely nothing except for cars and transmissions. Anybody else remember we talking about cars and transmissions? And, to, and just so you kind of know what's going on in my head, while I'm up here acting like I totally believe in all that, you know, it's like I'm sitting here going, cars, Lord, you can't heal a car. Like that's, you don't heal cars, you know. Kept hearing car, kept hearing car. And so I was like, okay, great. Apparently we're going to pray for cars. Well, a lady came up to me Sunday night and she goes, you're going to think this is crazy. And she said, remember when you prayed for cars? And I was like, yes, this is probably going to be crazy. She said, I was borrowing a friend's car who couldn't take it on a long trip because it had a, she just had it checked out. The check engine light had come on, had it checked out. The mechanic said, it's in bad shape. Don't drive it except for in and around town. I can get to it next week. But she had to go be with her son who had just had, actually had a massive heart attack. And um, so anyway, the lady said, I, was, I told my friend she could borrow my car and I drove hers to church that morning. So I was kind of like, well, maybe that's me. I'm not real sure, you know, kind of do one of those half hand raises, you know. And uh, so anyway, she came up to me Sunday night, and she goes, this is crazy. She's like, after you prayed, I got back in the car from church, and the check engine light was off, and the car was running perfect. And I was like, please tell me you got a picture of this, because no one's going to believe that God healed a transmission unless we have a picture of it. <laughs> and, she, and she said, actually, yeah, because she sent me a picture of what it was doing before, so she has a before and after. Go ahead and put up the picture. There at the top, there's the check engine light before, and there's what it looked like that afternoon on her way to the meeting at church. So God heals transmissions. Who would have thought? So I, again, if this is your first time, you're here like, great, I came to one of those churches. You know, <laughs> here come the snakes. You know, <laughs> not yet. That's for after service. But <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so again, we, we're just. I, I, we're just going after what God says we're supposed to go. A couple of weeks ago, we started addressing kind of the, the first part of this scripture when it says in first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. And what we come to understand is uh, God is very in, interested, in fact, very, uh, very much wants his church, his people, even our prayer life to be apostolic in a lot of ways. Uh, I did this last week or a couple of weeks ago, but I want to do it again. How many of you guys have ever met a pastor? You've met or know a pastor? Pretty much everybody. How many have ever met or know an apostle? It's apostles, second prophets, third teacher. Pastor doesn't get mentioned, yet none of us hardly know apostles, but we all know a pastor in the church. And we've all gone to a church because we all know every church needs to have a senior pastor. 
So we, we have to kind of address, like, okay, Lord, there's a way we've done things, and God, clearly it's working to a certain degree. So many people are come to churches that are led by senior pastors, and I'm not trying to get rid of the word pastor. It's in the Bible, so that's not my, my point. My point is asking the question, okay, maybe there are some things that are unique to what God means, the best definition from what we're already doing in the church. When you look at the word apostle and what that word means, the best definition I've found, <clears throat> I learned from uh, some, a, a, a pastor at Bethel Church in Redding, California. The best definition I've found is, is, was a, you know, it's a Greek word borrowed by the Romans. And the Romans, when they were on their Conquer the World tour, they would conquer an area. They would come back to that area after they had conquered it, and it still acted like, talked like, felt like the country they conquered. It didn't feel like Rome. So I may have had the title of this is a Roman territory now, but it didn't feel like Rome. It didn't have the culture of Rome. And so Rome uh, appointed these Roman apostles to go in and not just go in to conquer, but to go in with educators, artists, musicians, skilled workers, and not just conquer the area, but culturalize the area so that everything about that new area, it felt like Rome, where if the king were to show up or the emperor or whatever were to show up in that new territory, he'd go, that feels like home. That, that, that feels like home. What we see in that is that God is very concerned with making this place feel like that place. He's very concerned with the, with, with the earth feeling like, looking like the kingdom of heaven. Now, that sounds like the Lord's prayer to me. Our Father who art in heart and heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we start to see this whole apostolic thing. It's, it's, it's scattered throughout Scripture. Maybe we just need to consider it for a moment. When you look at these three, when you look at these three words, apostle, prophet, and teacher, you find, these are words that you find in Ephesians chapter 4 and what a lot of us grew up in church knowing as the fivefold office of ministry. How many of you have heard of the fivefold office of ministry? A few of you. Uh, fivefold office of ministry. Let's read that in Ephesians chapter 4. It says shepherds, most translations say pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So what you see here is this, these people, these gifts, if you will, they were gifts to men. They were called to eat, not do the work of the ministry, but to equip people to do the work of the ministry. And three of these up here that are on this list find themselves in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. So what God's saying about the church, Jesus, and get fed a little spiritual food for you, the church is supposed to be a place where you come and get equipped to do the work of the ministry. So here's what that tells me. When, if I were one of you sitting in the, in the road today, I'd say, okay, then today I'm not just supposed to be doing things that help or listening for things that help me in my personal life. I'm supposed to be hearing about the kingdom of heaven so that I can go out in the workplace, in my family, in my sphere of influence, wherever it is that you go or have influence, and advance the kingdom and do the work of the ministry, wherever it is that you have influence. For you to, to, for you to experience all that God has for you, you have to look at church not as a place that just feeds you and gets you saved. It's a place that equips you to do what God's called you to do when you leave. Here's what you have to embrace. Every single person, every single one of you in this room, you have a calling and you have an assignment. We have been called and we have been assigned. Now, What's interesting about that is there's been a lot of talk about calling and assignment in the church, and what I feel like is sometimes uh, we, we bypass so many things that we're called to do, so many things that we're assigned to, looking for some specific thing 
some very, very unique, niche-specific thing that we're supposed to do. By a show of hands, I've been there too. How many of you guys have ever said, Lord, tell me what I'm called to do? What's my assignment? T- tell me what I'm called to do. We all want to know what our assignment is. We want, all want to know what we're called to do. Well, I, I would propose to you that if, if there were ever someone whose life we were supposed to model as far as fulfilling the assignment on our life, how many of you guys think Jesus might be a good one to follow? I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Jesus is probably a good example. Now, we all know what Jesus' assignment on this earth was. Jesus was sent to die for our sins so that our relationship with God might be restored. Would everybody agree that was maybe his assignment? When did he do that assignment? Mm, the last two days of his life? Three days of his life? What was he doing the rest of the time? Fulfilling his assignment. I propose to you that every single day, there is an assignment on that day. There is a calling for that day. Anybody ever heard of Jesus healing the sick? Feeding the 5,000? Doing miracles? Encouraging people? To, all the things that we're going to pay in taxes, we're going to go fishing? Sounds like somebody I want to follow. <laughs> so, so, so Jesus did so many things before he, quote, unquote, fulfilled his assignment. It is my belief that we're supposed to follow that example. And, I, and I'll just say this. If fulfilling your assignment means you're, that's the end of your life, I bet a whole lot fewer people want to know what their assignment is. Like, oh, if my assignment, that means I'm out? No, I'm good. I don't need no assignment. I don't need no calling on my life. I'm good. Here's, here's, what, I'm, here, here's what I'm getting at. Is it, or the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here, and Jesus walks up, meaning Jesus is the kingdom. Jesus was full of the kingdom. He had the kingdom in him. And what I, I propose to you that Jesus lived every single life trying to take the kingdom that was in him and make it real outside in the world around him. Anything that we, anything that we see in Scripture, whether it's uh, those things, if he's concerned, relational restoration, uh, uh, healings, all of those things, if we see them in Scripture... That just became our assignment to do every day. I'll, 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 I'll go to Mark, uh, Mark, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. We, we've all known, if you've been in church for very long at all, we all have heard about the Great Commission. If there was, if there was anything that we could all say, this is my assignment, this is what I'm, we're all supposed to be doing, wouldn't we all say that Mark 16, 15 is probably a good one. The Great Commission, what does it say? Go into all the world. Now, if you read the story here, it says still later he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. Jesus is coming back. He's, he's, already, been, uh, he's already been crucified, buried, res- raised from the dead, and now he's making some visitations on the earth before he ascends into heaven for the final time. So uh, he has already fulfilled his mission, and he's already appeared to a couple people. They've told the disciples, and the disciples of all the people who should believe that he was going to be raised from the dead, because he told them, I'm going to be raised from the dead. They should have believed. And somebody came and said, hey, you're not going to believe this. I saw Jesus. And I, no, nope, no way. going to happen. Said, Aren't y'all supposed to know this stuff? It's like, read your Bibles. Uh, it says he rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. And then he told them the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. For anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. We know that as the Great Commission, am I right? How many of you guys believe that's what our number one primary assignment is, is this right here, the Great Commission? Raise your hand if you believe that. Just about Anybody disagree? That's not it. It's something else. Okay, good. We all agree. 
did you know there's more to this story? And for some reason, we just stopped reading. Said, no, that's it. That's, that's it. Well, you finished reading the paragraph, right? For some reason, we read that, and then we just stopped reading. We just stopped reading. It's like, well, that's, my, that's our job, going to all the world, preach gospel, preach good news to every preacher. Every creature. He believes saved. He, he don't believe is going to be condemned. Now, let's look at verse 17, because there's more. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. You're like, oh, no, I didn't sign up for that part. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to do miracles. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do this. Is that theologically sound, right? Pretty good. Raise your hand if you're a Christian. He's talking to you. <laughs> it says in these signs, in other words, as you go out and do this great commission, here's some things that you're going to see happen. Here are some signs. Here's some stuff that's going to happen alongside of you simply preaching the gospel. It says the safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Now, that's the scripture. Now, I'll be honest with you. Everything that's on that list, I haven't even done yet. And I'll be honest with you. Metaphorically speaking, I don't really know why you had to bring snakes into this. <laughs> I'm not real sure about that one. And I'll even, I'll even take it a step further. And this may disappoint you about your pastor, but I've never cast out a demon. Why well, hire Josh? This is no joke. We've been in directors' meetings with me, Leanne, and Josh, and we're just talking through issues and things we're dealing with. And one time we had a situation, we were having a little problems with a particular individual, and I was just so frustrated. He goes, Oh, it's nothing. It's just a demon. And I was like, Then get it out. <laughs> if you freaking know it's a demon, that's, get it. Skip, skip, skip. Whatever you <laughs> here's, here's my point. <clears throat> just because I haven't done it yet, I'll tell you right now, it doesn't mean I don't believe I, at some point in my journey I might not be confronted with it. My, my responsibility to the Scripture is believe it and get prepared for it. That's my responsibility. I don't get to say, well, I just I don't know if I believe in all that stuff. You don't get to choose what the Bible says. If you do, just don't. Just don't go there. My job is to say, okay, when, when the Bible says something that my mind can't comprehend, I don't change the Bible. I change my mind. By the what? The renewing of your mind. So if you're in here today and it's like maybe all your life you believed in the Great Commission, I, that's my job. That's all to go in the world and preach the gospel. Well, you just found out there's a whole lot more than preaching the gospel you got to look out, to, look out for. You may be needing to see some miraculous signs following you. You may see a demon, and if you do, call Josh. <laughs> and this is our kingdom assignment. So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm called, if, if the church is supposed to be a place where you get equipped to advance the kingdom, then this right here is like a tool for your toolbox. As you go out and advance the kingdom, there's going to be some times where you're going to encounter situations that aren't going to be so simple as you go up to someone and say, hey, have you ever met Jesus? No, I haven't. Would you like to? Absolutely. We pray. Angels come down. There's Where you advancing the kingdom might show up in the form of someone sitting at a table. I literally had this conversation with a guy. I don't know if I told the story this 
uh, this service or, or last, but I was, he was in the parking lot. He's having, oh, the guy over a beer. I told that story this service, didn't I? Yeah, that guy right there. He's sitting there talking to this guy. He said, I've known this guy for a long time. I knew this was going to freak him out. He had already attended our church once. It freaked him out. He didn't come back. And he's like, I knew he wasn't necessarily there. He was telling me about how bad his back pain was, and I heard the Lord say to me, pray for him. He's going to get healed today. Now, before you know this, it's like, dang it. I don't want to do that. But after you know this, after you know that these are some things that accompany people that just believe, a faith arises in you that, hey, this might actually happen. This might be the very, and he even, he, he told me, he told the guy, he's like, hey, so if God heals your back, that going to be a big deal to you? Because, man, it'll be life-changing. The guy didn't need a message on the gospel. He'd heard a message on the gospel before. Well, he had never seen somebody heal him. What, what are these things, what are these miraculous signs for? The Bible says signs, wonders, and miracles are for the unbeliever. This, this, this is tools. This is things you have access to to help you do the thing that you were called to do, which is advance the kingdom. And I'll just say this. You don't need a word from God. If you encounter someone who's sick, you don't need a word from God to lay hands on that person and heal them. Like, when, like in, in other words, when you get in that situation and you see someone sick, you're like, okay, Lord, there's someone sick. Um, what would you have me do? I don't hear anything. I guess I'm just going to go on about my business. <laughs> you already have a word from God. The Bible says, these signs shall follow him who believe. Are you a believer? Then it's supposed to, it's supposed to follow. I'll just say this. You don't need a word from God when you see someone in a financial situation, you don't need a word from God to, to, if, to give them some money or pay their bill or pay off their car or pay off their... You don't, you don't need a word from God. All you need is the resource to do it and a desire to advance the kingdom. I, I had this happen the other day. I, I, lines that say 15 items or less. When I go to the grocery store, I count the items that are in my basket. And if there are more than 15, I go to another line. <laughs> but apparently, not everybody else does that. So there's that. And another thing, I just as just kind of a decency thing, if I'm like on the line, like if I've got like 15, 13, whatever, and I turn around and someone behind me has down right now in the grocery <laughs> store, this is not that hard. And I, I'll just be, I get so frustrated because it has never happened to me. Like, I'm like, there's been times where I've walked up with one item and I'm like, this will be the time. I will find the favor of the Lord. Now, so I go the other day, last minute, and I, I, had, I had two items. They were both in my hand. I just, and I, I walk up and there's a lady who's got a, 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 a cart full of stuff. And, and again, don't, don't judge me on this part, but I just kind of looked at, boy, I'm going to tell you what happened first. I, I, I walk up, and she goes, she turns around, she goes, hey, you go in front of me. And I was like, no, 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 good. I'm, I, you don't have to do that. I'm not in any big hurry. She goes, no, no, I really, I, I want you to go in front of me. And I was like, Jesus is alive. <laughs> and, and I'm just telling you, like, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, in my heart, this is just an honest to God truth, in my heart, like, just a love for this woman arose. It was like, I just thank you. Just thank you for being who you are. 
And I just, something in me, I just, I didn't get a word from God. I didn't have any, nothing like that. I just wanted to reward her. I didn't get a word from God. The Lord didn't tell me. And I literally, I was like, I'm going to do something for you. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to do something. And, I, and of course, I just, and I tried not to create a scene or anything like that. And I, and I didn't have any, I didn't have enough cash in my pocket to do what I wanted to do. And I was like, that gun, I, I literally couldn't figure out what to do. And then it dawned on me and I, and I said, hey, I told the guy at the grocery store, I was like, y'all do gr- gift cards for grocery stores? He goes, yeah, they're right in front of you. And I look and sure enough, there's a little rack of gift cards. Perfect. Gift card, hey, put this much on this gift card. So I do that and I turn around to the lady and I just said, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for letting me go in front of you. But here, let me just, let me tell you my point on this. And of course, she was just shocked. She was like, no, it's really not that big of a deal. I was like, no, it meant a lot to me. I mean, you know, it meant a lot. But can I, can I tell you what was going on in the inside of me? I wanted her to be rewarded for having a servant heart. I wanted her to be rewarded for putting somebody else before herself and being selfless. I wanted to reward her. Now, can I just say this? I didn't get a word from God. I just had extra money, so can we just address this one thing here? I had handled my affairs in such a way where I had money that was available that God knew he could use anytime he wanted. And then I just had a heart to promote kingdom activity of God that you already know. That's how you advance the kingdom. This is, this is our assignment. This is our assignment. Jesus modeled this. Jesus modeled this when he, when he fed the 5,000. And I think it's where Mark, Matthew 14. Yeah, pull up Matthew 14. Matthew 14. Boom. That was pretty good timing there. Now, this, Jesus called John the Baptist. John the Baptist was his cousin. He said he was the greatest prophet that ever worked the face of the earth. He had a close relationship with John the Baptist. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he departed from there by a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when, Now watch this right here. It says, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion, so he healed their sick. Notice what is not in that verse. They're not in that verse was, verse was, Jesus saw the multitude, so he sought the Father on what he would have him do. He didn't need to know. And if you think about it, the Bible says Jesus only said what he heard his father say and did what he saw his father do. Here's what that means. He knew his father. If you see somebody sit, lay hands on them and heal them. If you see somebody without, give them something. If somebody's blind, pray for them. You don't need, you don't need a word from God to do kingdom activity. My heart is that we become a church that we're far less focused on some niche assignment or, or, or niche calling of God on our life. Now, I will say this. Eventually, I, what I've learned is the more you just get involved in kingdom activity, the Lord can and will narrow it in on in, in some ways at different seasons in your life. But I think he's far less concerned that we, 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 we find our calling and we find our assignment. How do I know that? Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom, not your calling, not your assignment. Which lets me know, if we have a calling and assignment, it's probably in the advancement of the kingdom. In just waking up every single day, who can I help? Who can I bless? I want to zone in right here and say, okay, how do I, where do I get started? Where do I get started with this, this kingdom activity? Let me ask you, 
two, two things help you identify as a good place to get started. Where are your passions and where are your frustrations? Sometimes it's easy. Passion's an easy one. You, there's just, you have a passion to help people in this particular area. You have a passion to work with kids or you're easy. But just as much as a passion can point you in a direction that's a great place to go, so can frustration. In other words, what out here doesn't look like the kingdom of heaven? See, if you come to church and you're hearing about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God and who he is and what he wants to do, and you go out anywhere, your fam- in your home, in your workplace, anywhere, look for places where there's a frustration in you because that doesn't look like the kingdom. If somebody's sick, that's not the kingdom. If someone has lack, that's not the kingdom. Uh, David is... is is left at home to take care of the sheep with his father. His, brother, his brothers go off to war. His dad sends, dad, David's dad sends him to go give him some food. Uh, and when he shows up on the scene, David witnesses this taunting that's happening from Goliath. Let's go ahead and pull up First Samuel 17 so you can see what I'm talking about. He's talking to his brothers. It says, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Now, notice this. He heard him shout his usual taunt. His usual taunt. This this oppression of an enemy of God had become the usual for these people. How many people do you know that living with sickness and disease has just become the usual? Living paycheck to paycheck has just become the usual. Having a marriage that barely survives has become the usual the usual. So many things that are not the kingdom have become the usual to us. That's not the kingdom. David encounters this this situation where they've fallen into this complacency with the usual. His usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He'll give that man one of his daughters for a wife and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldier standing nearby, uh, say what? 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 What, is this, what does this person get for killing this Goliath? Am I finally going to get a woman? Is this, is this finally fixing to happen for me? And all the single people said, amen. <laughs> is it? So he, he, just like we would do in the natural, you first of all kind of hear the natural thing and you're like, wait, what, what is this? What, what, what am I going to get? Who, what? And then it dawned on him that there's a bigger issue here. He said, better yet, who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? So at first he's like, oh, what am I going to get? Then he went, time the heck out. Why has no one done anything? He's defying the arm. A frustration arises in David of this should not be. This is not the way this should be done. You, you may be in here and you're in, and you're in business. I, I'm, I'm doing some things in, in old field business now. And one of the things I hate to hear in doing business, well, that's just the old field. Anybody ever heard that one? Oh, that's just the old field. I just, you got, that's just the old field. Says who? Says who? That, that ought not be. Well, you just got to understand, old field people, they just they got a mouth on them. <laughs> That ought not be. And it'll, by just not cussing. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm sorry, I got to go here. I'm fed up to here with racism. I mean, I'm fed, it's, it is ridiculous how ignorant we act too. It's like, oh my gosh, it's, they're making such a big deal out of this. 
Aren't they? And, and, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to get political here, but you are, you are uh, ignorant. That's a better word than what I was going to go with. And maybe intentionally ignorant if you don't think it's still an issue. It ought not be. Now, the method we use to... The Bible says that wisdom from God is, first of all, peaceable. So if we approach this with peace, or if we are truly approaching this with godly wisdom, this issue, it will bring peace, not more fighting. Can I get an amen? But we have to ask ourselves, what is the wisdom here? Not act like it's not an issue, because it should not be. What are the things in you that you go, man, this this shouldn't be this way? That's That's what happened with David. What was it doing? That frustration was pointing him to his assignment. Oh, really? It shouldn't be? Then do something about it. Go get you some rocks. Bust them in his head. <laughs> That's how we should feel about everything we encounter in our life. If someone's walking around sick, hurting, with cancer, with diabetes, with any issue, something on the inside of us ought to rise up and say, this should not be. This should not be. And we should care more about them getting healed than what we look like if they don't. If people have need, if people have financial need, we should be looking for ways to change our financial situation, to change our budget. Listen to this message off and on, and I heard it on the way, to, actually to the office this morning. I went to the office early this morning. And he said, you know, it's great if you hear of a, a widow woman who people are taking up donations to buy her, to have her car worked on because she can't afford uh, to get her car worked on. How many of you guys think that's a kingdom thing to have this, to, if, if you see a woman who doesn't have a, a good car or her car's not working, maybe take up some money and fix her car. How many of you guys think that'd be a good a kingdom thing to do? Which one's more kingdom? I bet I win that argument. <laughs> We've got to position ourselves where the things that frustrate us, the things that aggravate us, and we go, that just should not be. We don't just stand back and say, somebody needs to do something about that. No, we say, I'm going to do something about that. David didn't sit there and listen to that giant keep taunting and say, boy, I'll tell you what, one of these days we need to do something about this. Say, well, let's spend the next couple of weeks making a plan. Let's make sure it doesn't put us all in too much harm. Let's see if we can't fix No, he said, I'm going to do something. Kingdom of light in me more than the kingdom of darkness in him. What is that frustration? I'll close with this. I'm going to be very transparent with you, and I, I don't mean to offend you. And if I offend you, uh, I don't even apologize. <laughs> um, my frustration is that our church has found itself in a position where God has blessed us so much, and there are so many people coming now that we literally are having to turn away people for church service. This last weekend, because we don't have a building of our own, because we don't have a facility of our own, we can't rent this building any more than we're already renting this building. We did. We had a, a guy in town, Robbie Dawkins. Some of you were at those events, and we had to register people to come to church, and we didn't have enough room. And we had to tell people that wanted to come to church, "You can't come to church." How many of you guys think that should not be? That should not be. I I am so thankful for what God's done in the last four and a half years of this church. We've got this amazing team of people that at Teen Challenge have been so amazing, sending guys to help set up this church every single Sunday morning. Can we give those guys a hand for what they've done? And and, and I'm thankful. Please don't don't, don't get it twisted. I'm not like, 
un, unthankful or ungrateful for what God's done thus far. But can I just tell you, for the first time, we find ourselves in a situation where almost our church cannot grow anymore unless we do something. We were in a meeting, and uh, we were preparing for Easter. We're trying to get ready for Easter, trying to figure out what to do. We were going to have to have four services in this building. We couldn't even figure out a way to do that uh, in, a, in a good way. And so we had to go rent. We're actually going to have Easter at the Horseshoe uh, at the horseshoe this year just so we can have enough room. The projections are saying we should have somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500 people for Easter. And I, and, and I, we were in, we, yeah. And I, and I was in there just like, everybody in the room's cheering thousand. And he meant it. I was like, seriously? He goes, oh, I think we're going to. And, and can I just tell you what I said? And I, this is going to shock some of you. He said, I, I think we're going to have 4,000. I said, I hope we don't. Because you know what? After Easter, what are we going to do? Turn them away? Because guess what? 4,000 people won't fit in here. We li- we're running out of places. I'm having to get creative and think of how are we, can we do another? We're, we're considering launching another campus. I'm, I'm doing everything I can to try to figure out then there is room to put them. That ought not be. That ought not be. This next is near campaign is about us fixing what ought not be. We've been praying, we've been believing that, that, that God would speak to us about what he'd have us do. But can I just say this, in line with our message, maybe he doesn't need to speak. Maybe he doesn't even need to tell him to do something about this. Maybe you ought to see a need and go, I can do something about this. I want to do something about this. And, I, and again, I'm being pushier than I've ever been about this particular subject. Because this is my frustration. This is my passion. It's to make sure that we never have to turn away people again. Can I just say this too? The national average of, of people that tithe, not, not give extra towards building, that tithe, the national average is 10% of people that go to a church actually tithe. We are triple the national average, over triple the natural, national average. Over 30% of the people that come to our church are tithers. I announced that in the first service, and, and this wasn't a bad thing. Everybody's like, cheered. Yeah, yeah. We're cheering for 30%. That ought not be. I, why are you making such a big push right on this? Because I know what God will do if you choose to do it. I know what God will do for you. If you there's three levels of giving. Obedient giving, generous giving, and sacrificial giving. Obedient giving is just saying, you know what? I don't even want to do this, but I want what he tells me more than I want what I want. And if he says bring 10%, I'm going to do it. The Bible says if you do that, he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. When he does that, your heart moves to generous giving. Now you're no longer giving because you're supposed to. You're giving because you want to. And after that, there will come a time in every one of our lives, and I think it comes in stages, where the Lord's going to ask you to give more than you're asking of you. It's like, oh my gosh, that's... That's going to really cost me. That's the journey God wants to take all of us on. He wants us as a church to go on that journey. Did you know this? That if, And I'm just showing you some of the things I'm trying to work on to make sure we get this building built as fast as we can. We've reworked the budget of the church. And if we, if we only grow by 20%, which will be the, by far the lowest percentage growth in the history of our church, if in the next year we only grow by 20%, that automatically puts $1.1 million towards the building. 1.1. If we can just move the needle from 30% of people tithing 
to maybe 60%. Campaign is barely scriptural. There was one building campaign in all of the Bible. You know what happened? They had a meeting. One guy brought a whole lot of money and asked anybody else if they wanted to help. They all said yes, they built the building. One meeting. As churches, we do things like campaigns and pledges to just get our, it's, it's a methodology thing, to get us all focused in a direction just so hopefully it'll get people committing and doing things maybe they've never done just so God can show up in that area of their life. So what we're doing, just to be clear, you've seen it on our, on our, on our uh, commitment cards. You can give a one-time gift, a monthly commitment, or a total commitment over the next 10 months. Those commitments, we want you, those to start coming in in March. And so if you're one of those that came today prepared to do that, uh, go ahead and put that commitment card, if you will, in one of the next is near envelopes. And can I also just reiterate, don't take any of your tithe, your normal tithes and offerings to go towards this. Because like I said, there's a plan. If you'll just keep doing the normal tithe where we're going to get money, it's all going towards the building anyway. So don't, don't, don't rob Peter to pay Paul, so to speak. So, but I, I, I'm asking you here just to, just to consider this. And I, I believe some of you are, are already there, but maybe this is the first time you've done this. Or maybe you, the Lord's talking right now and saying you can do better. You can do more. This is about making more room for more people. Amen. If you brought your next as near offering, if you would just get it out. We're just going to pray over, pray over that if you brought that with you. Let's just stand to our feet. And of course, as you leave today, we're gonna, you can take your Nexus Near offering, put it in the boxes as you leave. Uh, also, your regular tithes and offerings, there's three ways to give. Uh, and so you can give online, give in person, give on text. Uh, you can continue to do that as well. But let's just pray over, if you would just close your eyes back here, let's just pray over these offerings. But before we do, I wanna, make, I wanna pray about something more important. Maybe you're in here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You're not 100% sure that if, uh, if today was your last day on this earth, that you'd go to heaven. If you're just not sure, we're fixing to pray a prayer. And I just ask you to pray this prayer cross because he loved you and he wanted a relationship with you. So church family, let's just all pray this prayer together. Say, Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe you sent your son to die on a cross because you desired a relationship with me for all of eternity. So today, I choose Jesus. I choose forgiveness. I receive my righteousness that came through Jesus in Jesus' name. I'm a privilege to get to be a part of what I believe is the beginning of a miracle. That what, what, what we've seen so far through this church and, and through a new life church, and, and it's been a, such a blessing to have this theater. But I just believe what you have for us and the impact you want us to have, not only our community, but the country and even the world, is so much bigger that this theater can't hold it. And what I, I even believe the next the building we're building now is just a being a part of what you're doing here. And it's making, uh, Lord, maybe for the first time they're tithing, maybe they're being generous in this particular offering, or maybe they're even being sacrificial. Lord, wherever it is, they are on this journey. Lord, I just ask you to do it only, and it almost seems silly asking because I know you're going to do it because the principle's there, seed time and harvest, the principle is there. Lord, I'm asking you to increase this seed sown, some 30, some 60, even a hundredfold return on this seed that's going in the ground. Lord, when it comes to the tithe, that's not a seed. That's us just returning. Scripture, that's just us returning what you asked us to return. 
But Lord, the rest of it is precious seed that we have the right to plant, to put into good works and expect you to do something supernatural and bring a harvest so that we can continue to give and give and give, give more and more and more. Lord, I just pray over every single person and ask you to bless every single person, every single home who's giving today in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you guys so much for coming. You can put those offerings in the, in the boxes as, as you leave. Same with your regular tithes and offerings. Thank you so much for coming today, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.